1: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back. I'm Leland Berry. Best wishes to First Lady Melania Trump, of course. There, you don't wish uh, any ill to anyone, and in particular, these days of COVID, when we find uh, uh, when we encounter what do they call them, long haulers, those who recover from the coronavirus and are are left with some tough side effects and some tough symptoms that continue to linger. Some folks I've spoken to, uh, they go sometimes a month, two months without regaining sometimes sense of smell and taste and. Uh, those lingering coughs can be no fun. Anyway, uh, best wishes to the the first lady. Yesterday, you and I walked through uh, what was announced by the Commission on Presidential Debates as the six pre-selected topics by Kristen Welker, moderator of tomorrow evening's presidential debate. Um, I'm sorry, Thursday evening. The 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 topics now they're subject to change because of news developments. Uh, And they are not necessarily going to come up in this order, but they include, and we walked through these yesterday, fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. Fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. I thought, uh, I was generally pleased with these topics. I was critical of the topics selected by Chris Wallace because, in, in my estimation, And I think as we did the the research, wasn't even much research required, we ended up knowing exactly where the candidates stood on all of the topics brought up by Chris Wallace. And so, uh, you know, you're left with what? Uh, To to, to hear them shout back and forth at each other, as was the case uh, a few weeks back. Uh, maybe something to be different. I do like uh, these co- topics for the most part. American families. I'm fascinated to hear how that topic is treated by moderator Kristen Welker. Uh, also, uh, leadership. It's a very, very broad, very broad category, uh, which you know could lead to some bickering back and forth or it could lead to an irrelevant quote. Who knows? But it also has the potential to be a, a, a very enlightening conversation, an enlightening topic uh, for the, the candidates to show off there. Uh, their strengths in the realm of leadership. We'll see. But I turn out uh, to uh, have missed something. There is a tradition typically in these presidential debates where in the last or penultimate debate, the topic of foreign policy is brought up. And if you notice from that list I read to you just a moment ago, it is absent of uh, any mention of foreign policy. Now, you can make the argument... That some of the topics lend themselves to foreign policy, maybe national security, even leadership, uh, climate change. Even you could uh, you could make up uh, or you could come up with rather uh, a a reason or in a way to communicate some of your uh, foreign policy positions uh, due to climate change. Uh, There's a lot of that. And fighting COVID-19 is a global thing. And so maybe foreign policy fits in there. But there is no designated foreign policy category. And that upset that upset the the Trump campaign in fact uh, upset them so much that the that the campaign manager Bill Steppian uh, a man you've heard of uh, heard from uh, a number of times you know he's he's fond of letter writing and he's written another one here addressed to the Commission on Presidential Debates and it writes dear members of the commission we write with great concern over the announced topics for what was always billed as the foreign policy debate in the series of events agreed to by both the Trump campaign and Biden campaign many months ago, the topics announced by moderator Kristen Welker uh, are serious and worthy of discussion. But only a few of them even touch on foreign policy. Indeed, almost all of them were discussed at length during the first debate won by President Trump over moderator Chris Wallace and candidate Joe Biden. A little commentary there included in the letter from the campaign manager for the Trump for President campaign. Understandable, <laughs> as is the long-standing custom. And I'm back to reading the letter now. As is the longstanding custom and as had been promised by the Commission on Presidential Debates, we had expected that foreign policy would be the central focus of the October 22nd debate. We urge you to recalibrate the topics and return to subjects which had already been confirmed now the rest of it goes on to be uh, pretty politically motivated i'll give you just a taste of this it says we understand that joe biden is desperate to avoid conversations about his own foreign policy record then it goes on to uh, highlight much of uh, what president trump has done at least in his estimation and the estimation of his campaign uh, as great great accomplishments in the field of uh, foreign policy uh, israel uae bahrain that agreement um Anyway, it goes on, and in fact, it goes on to a second page. What I read to you thus far was just one paragraph, single space. There are one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs remaining. Six paragraphs remaining. Uh, I would point out... That I am reading this letter, uh, not from some uh, like source that I have. I didn't uh, get a call from Stepian himself, who said, "Hey Lee, listen for your for your radio program. I want to give you want to give you some insight. Uh, here, here's a, a super secret letter uh, we've shared with the commission, really voicing our concerns with the, the absence of foreign policy as a debate topic in Thursday night's debate. I want you, I want you to have it. Do with it what you will. No, no, no. I got this on Twitter. I got this on Twitter." All right, so you think to yourself, "All right, fine. If the real intent of the letter is to change the operations of the debate commission, uh, do you do you do something like this where you're calling them out in public, or do you, uh, you know, do you take action to to make the change, uh, you know, earnestly? I'm not saying that this effort was not in earnest, but uh, there's a little bit of showmanship here going on. I'd also point out that while there is reference made to the agreements made by the the campaign, the Trump campaign, the Biden campaign, and the commission, part of those agreements were to surrender topical control to the moderator. The candidates knew, and their respective campaigns knew, that Kristen Welker, first off, it was agreed to that she would be the moderator. So any criticism you hear uh, from either side, but in particular you've been hearing it from uh, Trump surrogates, That Kristen Welker is uh, disqualified due to her family's affection for Democrat candidates and causes, her own affiliation with the Democrat Party over the years, uh, and and other examples that have been laid out. Uh, The the Trump campaign did agree to have her, you know, moderate this thing. And if I remember correctly, uh, she got a a big promotion at NBC to, uh, like, the the weekend anchor of the Today Show, or co-anchor, however they title her, Uh, and if I remember correctly... President Trump praised NBC and congratulated Welker on that move, saying that she was, you know, worthy and uh, that it was a good, wise move. Uh, Anyway, setting that aside, the campaigns did agree on the topicality. And as was pointed out in the letter, there are opportunities to insert foreign policy into many of the topics that have uh, been announced. And so uh, this is really, I think, uh, an effort to highlight some of the shortcomings that the Trump campaign sees in the Biden campaign as they are enumerated at great length here. One, two, three, four, five paragraphs, uh, four paragraphs uh, dedicated to it. Anyway, we'll set that aside. Uh, it was an interesting little thing. And so you'll, you'll want to keep your ears open on Thursday to see how much foreign policy uh, President Trump is able to uh, to slip into answers of uh, questions of different topics. But uh, we'll see if we can pull that off. Uh, Mike Pence certainly demonstrated a, a keen ability to uh, communicate his message in the face of being asked a question maybe on a different topic. <laughs> and that might be, that might be a, a very diplomatic way of communicating that.
3: Because
2: <laughs> some people would call it dodging. <laughs> or pivoting. Pivoting, I think, is the, is the word you hear in political circles. Anyway, last thing I want to bring up is the mute button. Yeah, there will be a mute button. <clears throat> the debate commission has made it known that in the opening sequence of the debate where each candidate is allowed two minutes to speak, that the other candidate, the one not speaking, uh, will be muted for those two minutes. And then, and this is what I find interesting, and I'm surprised that they have maintained this format, because this is where the the real back and forth and the real interrupting and shouting took place in the first debate, is in the the long-form conversational sections. So there are six topics, uh, 15 minutes each, uh, do the math is that about ninety minutes? uh each of those segments will kick off with a question and then uh open up for uh for back and forth between the two candidates. What do you think about that so uh as we were joking around in the newsroom before the before the program today so let's say that uh the microphones are mute that's what's gonna happen. How do you? How do you distract attention away from the other candidate while they are speaking if you are unable to speak yourself? Some of the some of the suggestions come up in the newsroom this morning. Well, uh, President Trump or President Biden, they could learn some sign language uh, and they could issue a a sign language message. uh, Or maybe if uh, if they're allowed or able, they could bring in a little whiteboard. (laughs) You know, you could you could write some messages. Uh, You know, who knows what they'd write about one another? Maybe a little arrow. Uh, Who knows? Uh, but listen, I want to I hear from you. I, I know I'm joking around now, but in all seriousness, what are your plans for Thursday night? Are you going to watch this debate? Do you think that the topics are appropriate? Do you lament the, uh, the exclusion of foreign policy as an explicit topic to be brought up by Moderator Welker? Uh, what do you think? Will you be watching? And here's this. Will you invite your children to watch? Will you invite your kids to watch the debate? Uh, I've run out of time. I'll speak to you at greater length after the break, but would you call in 801 575 8255? 801 575 TALK is the TALK number. You want to text 57500? That's the number there. Uh, but get on the phone. Let's you and I have a chat about what we expect to happen on Thursday when the two candidates for president meet face to face again for the final time before this year's presidential election. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to live, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. In just a moment, we will return to our conversation about Thursday night's debate. There have been a few uh, little tweaks to how things will work to come around in the last 24 hours or so. We learned yesterday that there will, in fact, be a mute button. Now, it, w- it won't be like it was first proposed. You remember, remember when in the in the like the day after that Tuesday debate between Joe Biden and President Trump. The suggestions came immediately, okay, we need the moderator to have control of some sort of mute button so that when uh, one candidate commences to interrupt another, that, that the moderator can then make the choice to, yeah, mute that mic. Well, there will be a mute button of sorts. Involved in Thursday night's debate, but it won't be uh, it won't be at the discretion of the moderator. It won't be Kristen Welker uh, moderating the debate, also having the ability to, uh, you know, push a button and shut off one of the two candidates' microphones. Here's how the mute button will work, uh, and it may even be—it may not even be appropriate to call it a, a mute button. Uh, it's simply the microphones will be turned off of the opponent uh, or of the candidate rather who is not delivering his uh, own two-minute introductory remarks. So the format, very simply, each candidate at the onset gets two minutes to say whatever it is they want. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm running for president. Here's why you ought to vote for me. You get two minutes to do that. During that time, well, uh, during that time, the opponent's microphone will be off. It will be protected. Uh, You, President Trump, you, former Vice President Biden, will have uh, free reign to share your message as you will without fear of being interrupted or called a clown or whatever it was. Uh, anyway, so th- the question I have for you is, what are your plans for Thursday? you gonna be watching? and will you invite your children to watch i i, I had this thought in the morning after the last presidential debate, uh, and it was uh one of uh, a concern. For teachers across this country, uh, global studies and social studies and civics teachers, who government teachers, who assigned to their students uh, to watch the debate, to watch uh, President Trump and Joe Biden go back and forth. In fact, I saw, I got my hands on some of the homework assignments that were handed out. And those students were expected to extract something from that spectacle and write about it. Yeah. Some of the questions were, okay. identify three strengths. Uh, Demonstrated by President Trump, three strengths demonstrated by Joe Biden. Uh, Who do you think won the debate? Was one of the questions. And I I just can't imagine uh, the last debate. uh, You you know, being able to sit down and honestly, you know, have a conversation with the young people in a classroom or uh, your own children and say, "Oh, yep, there you go. There's the democratic process. That's uh, that's that's how it was when I was coming up. No, not at all. It was such a divergence from what we." I uh, have come to expect on the debate stage. Hope, uh, we were reminded what it's like. We were reminded, uh, you know, when when a debate is executed in its proper fashion, uh, we were reminded of that in the vice presidential debate. I think I, I don't think it had anything to do with the candidates. I, of course, think it was because it was right here in Utah. Right. Uh, something about uh, something about landing here in the beehive state. and Those two candidates said to themselves, oh, my, oh, my, there's something different here. Uh, we ought to be on our best behavior. Hopefully, there's something about that, uh, something in the water in Nashville uh, on Thursday night, and the presidential candidates uh, have the same feeling, and uh, they comport themselves a little more, uh, a little more disciplined than they did when they debated in Cleveland, Ohio. All right, going to the phones. Uh, Tamara from Draper. Uh, Tamara, how are you? Hi. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm grateful to you for listening and calling in. You going to be watching on Thursday?
3: Uh, yes. Much to my dismay, that I'm going to try to watch.
2: Yes. Now, wh- why why is that? Why do you say to your dismay? Uh, you expect something difficult, and why then why then watch it all?
3: Well, because I like to I like to know what's going on. I like to know what what they're saying. But the other debate, uh, where there was a real debate between the two, was a disaster, and I don't necessarily blame that on Joe Biden. I thought he did a great job. Considering uh, Trump just could not keep his mouth shut so that's the way i felt about that debate uh i'm I'm actually surprised if it were me i would have gone off on trump so i have to give uh a biden props on that one because i thought he did a well he even said he was sorry he called him a clown well that's the worst name he ever called anybody (laughs) you know i mean (laughs) compared to trump it would be good you can tell i've already voted because uh i've made up my mind who i'm voting for now I also think the foreign policy is important. I think it's very important. And um, I personally think that I don't think Trump has done much to uh, you know, help America with our allies. I don't think he's done a lot in foreign policy that was good. Uh, this agreement with the UAE is okay, but it's just like everything else. It's an agreement. Nothing has happened. The problem well, with a, the agreement to it's me. A, it's a
2: pretty historic agreement. It's a pretty uh, unique and rare agreement.
3: Well, the Obama administration in 2015 has been working with the EU to try and, you know, get, you know, some peace over there, too. But, I mean, you, you know how long they've been working on trying to get peace in the Middle East. I mean, the closest maybe was Clinton came to getting it.
2: You, you, think, my, you, my think, problem the, you think the legwork was done prior to the Trump administration and he just uh, stepped in and, and was able to put his name on it?
3: Yeah, there was there was a lot of le- – I looked it up. I've been looking that, a lot of this stuff up. Yeah. Um, I also think that – how can you have an agreement about the Middle East when the t- one of the functioning parties in it that is the Palestinians isn't even in there? I mean to me that's not an agreement. I mean that's just the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the Palestinians should get what they want or whatever. I'm just saying that – that's the problem. It's between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And if you're not going to bring them into the uh, talks, I mean, that's not an agreement to me. I'm sorry. it's right. well, I, I not going to get you peace. I,
2: I think there's much to be said, Tamara, in, uh, uh, in incrementalism. And I think that's the that's the doctrine being uh, being exercised in the agreements taking place in the Middle East right now. And I, I expect them to continue. I expect uh, similar agreements to the ones that we have seen over the past few months to uh, continue. And, and hopefully they Uh, they spread. Listen, we have to take a break right now. Uh, When we return, uh, I'm very much looking forward to this next conversation. There is a claim that I swear I have heard every election cycle uh, that I have had eyes and ears. And it is that this is the most negative, the most negative campaign season ever. That negativity has never been running so rampant than at ever time, any time in history. Well, uh, do you think that's true this go around? Do you think that today, this 2020 presidential election cycle that we are seeing, and not just presidential, there are other races, are we right now facing more negativity than ever before? Science took a look at it. I'll share the details with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
1: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
0: Started two years of horror for an American in
1: Venezuela. They said...